Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, so today what we're doing is we're launching into a brand new three-part message series called Fear Not. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at three different times in the Christmas story when angels appeared to individuals. And what you're going to realize very quickly is the very first thing these angelic beings will say is, help me out here, fear not. Exactly. And today we're taking a look at a time when an angel appears to this young teenage virgin girl by the name of Mary. And I want to talk about the fear of what God may have planned for your life. Because I believe there are lots of people who kind of treat God sometimes like they treat the annoying person in your life who always wants something from you. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you have anybody like that in your life, but there are some people who whenever they call you, you know they're going to want something from you, and so you just let it kind of go to voicemail. Or if you're out in public, you're like, oh, there's old so-and-so. Hey, don't point at them right now, but you know what I'm talking about. There's old so-and-so, right? If you're in the grocery store, you kind of let your cart go this way. And it's like, oh, let's pretend like they're not there. I think sometimes, even unknowingly, many of us treat God that way. In other words, we want to be close enough to God to get the good stuff, right? I don't want the promise of heaven, his blessings. But, you know, I don't want to be so surrendered to him that he has total access to every area of my life. Because if I completely surrender him, he might make me go to Africa, right? He might make me do something that I don't want to do. He might make me take away something that that I enjoy in my life. He might make me marry somebody ugly, okay? Is that too far? Is that crossing the line? I know some of you have thought that, okay? I do counseling. Yeah. And I'm talking to real people here, okay? The rest of you not real, holier-than-thou people, as I always say, just sit there, polish your halos. But we're going to talk about real stuff. Because sometimes there is this fear of if I give it all to him, my life might not go the way I want it to go. And that fear can overwhelm us. In fact, a lot of times people will say fear is the absence of faith. Fear is the absence of faith. I would argue that fear is actually faith. It's just faith in the wrong things. You can say that fear is faith in the what ifs of life. What if the economy collapses? What if I lose my job? What if someone I love gets cancer? What if I never, ever marry, What if I marry a jerk? (laughs) Or, you know, what if I marry a jerk and we have kids who look just like that jerk and it's an eternal reminder that I married a jerk? (laughs) And the fears just go on and on and on. What if, what if, what if? And fear, it's putting your faith in the worst case scenarios. And you know what? I can easily be overtaken by fear in an irrational way. You know, when I thought back, when we first started having kids, our kids were little, I had this fear of, oh, man, I am totally responsible here as the husband, as the father. I mean, I've got to provide for these little guys. I've got to raise these little guys. I've got to teach these little guys. Who am I to do that? And I was always grateful I had my wife, Wendy, because she at least seemed like she knew what she was doing. And there would be times when I would call her and she wouldn't call back or she would be late coming home. And I could easily slip into this fear of what if something happened to her? Oh my gosh, my wife's been in a car crash. My life is over and my wife is dead. 
And I start panicking, thinking I'm going to have to do the funeral. That sucks, right? And I don't think I can continue on with ministry and handle all this stuff. And, and we're homeschooling our kids at the time. So I'm thinking, I'm going to have to homeschool them? We're going to have two stupid kids. <laughs> so I'm going to lose my job. And nobody's going to want to marry a guy with dumb kids. And all of a sudden, by the end, I'm envisioning myself as an 80-year-old bachelor with stupid kids. All because she's a few minutes late. I mean, fear can drive us to a point of irrational panic. The good news, though, is that 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us God has not given us a spirit of fear. People, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So today, as we talk about the fear of what God might be asking you to do, we're going to look at this story where an angel appears to this young teenage virgin girl named Mary. Why are we often afraid of God's plans? There could be a lot of answers to that question, but I want to give you two based on this story. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Write this down. God's interruptions are often inconvenient, aren't they? When God interrupts us, it's often very inconvenient. In fact, you're going to see this in the story of Mary. This is Luke chapter 1. Here's how the story starts. You ready? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Okay, pause there. Who's Elizabeth? Why is she pregnant? Well, Elizabeth is Mary's relative who was too old to give birth to children. But then suddenly an angel appears and gives this promise, and she's miraculously able to conceive with her husband, and they give birth to a son who will one day be known as John the Baptist. Okay, back to Mary. The Bible says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, let's talk about this. I think sometimes when people think about angels in our culture today, they don't see angels as they really are. In a lot of people's minds, they're these little, fat, bald, naked baby angels, right? Playing a harp on a cloud. That is not at all what these angels look like. People, these are fierce warrior creatures able to strike down a nation at God's command, and yet submissive enough to God to go and care for and protect an innocent child. This particular angel, Gabriel, he's one of two archangels in the Bible. The other one's named Michael. The story continues. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. In other words, this is a very polite angel, okay? Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And Mary, man, she is excited, like, oh, I've always wanted to see an angel. This is so cool. No, she is freaking out, okay? Confused and disturbed. Oh, my gosh, what's going on here? Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, let's take a minute. Let's get into the backstory here. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in her mind, in her heart, in her life. We don't know precisely, but Mary's probably 14, 15, maybe 16 years old. The reason we know this is because in the culture of that day, as soon as a young girl would hit puberty, shortly thereafter, she would be promised or betrothed to be married. And so if you put yourself in her shoes, she's probably all amped up about that wedding day. Right, if it's modern day, what's a young bride-to-be gonna be doing? Well, she's gonna be searching Pinterest, right? <laughs> Looking for creative ideas to make her wedding that perfect, unforgettable moment. And she's practicing writing her name, using her husband's new last name, getting it just right for the checks. Right? And she, maybe she's sitting there dreaming about her future children. 
oh, I love the name Chloe. And I love the name. She's thinking all these names. And suddenly this angel interrupts her. And it's very inconvenient for the future that she had mapped out. What do we learn from that? Well, a very important principle is this. What we call interruptions, God often sees as invitations. Right, those moments when we feel like, man, God is interrupting me here. He's actually inviting you to something higher, something way, way better. I mean, think about this all throughout the Bible. What about with Moses? God interrupted an ordinary day with a burning bush, invited Moses to be the deliverer of his people. With Jonah, when Jonah was busy with his little workout, trying to swim to shore, God interrupted him with a great big fish, invited him to go back and do what he's supposed to be doing, preach repentance to Nineveh. In the New Testament, when Saul is busy killing off Christians, God interrupts his mission with a light from heaven and invites Saul to become Paul, the author of most of the New Testament, and an apostle who would preach the grace of Jesus to anybody who would listen. God interrupted people's plans with an invitation to something better. But I think for so, so many of us, we kind of slough off God's invitations and call them interruptions. And God just wants something new, something different in your life. But if you're sensitive enough to see what we call an interruption as a possible invitation, man, God might take you somewhere totally different. God might surprise you. He might do something spectacular with your life. And I don't know how this may play out for you. I know some of you have your own interruption invitation stories. You know, for some of you, maybe you weren't a church person at all. You weren't religious. But somebody interrupted your plans, your life, and invited you to church. And they just kept bugging you and bugging you. And you're like, nah, I don't have the time. Nah, I'm not interested. Finally, you gave in, came to church with the thought, okay, I'll just get it over with, right? Get in there, get out. I'll just endure. But then something happened. You know, maybe you were touched by a song or, or you had a conversation with somebody or it was like in the message, God was speaking directly to you and your heart was softened and you found yourself being drawn closer and closer to God. And then one day you cried out and trusted in Jesus for forgiveness and something inside of you was radically changed. See, what you saw as an eruption, God saw as an invitation to something way, way better. And then you came to church on another day and someone said to you, hey, how would you like to serve over here with me? And you're like, well, you know, I could do that, but I, I don't have the time, right? And suddenly it's like you don't even know what's happened, but you're signing up for it. And you're going, what am I doing? I don't have the time for this. And you wake up one morning and realize you're serving in the four-year-olds. You don't even like four-year-olds, right? <laughs> but then two months later, you're going, wow, it's like the highlight of my week. I mean, the greatest hour of my week is when I get to impart spiritual life to four-year-olds. I so look forward to it. What happened? God interrupted you somewhere along the way and invited you to something way, way better. So this angel appears to the young girl, Mary, who has her future all mapped out. And what does the angel say in verse 30? In the King James Version, it says, fear not. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but if God has some favor to give out, I want a little bit of that action, right? What we're going to discover, though, is that the favor wasn't exactly what Mary thought it was going to be. I mean, if, if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, dude, God has favor to give to me. This is going to be so cool. You know, maybe I've been invited to a wedding reality show. My wedding and honeymoon are going to be paid for. Sweet right? You think say yes to the dress is good, 
Wait till you see God's version of real weddings of Jerusalem, whatever it could have been, right? But God, she's going to realize, has something very different in store. Why are we often afraid of God's plans? Well, first, because God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Second, because God's purpose is often way different than your plans. Write that down. God's purpose is often different than your plans. We see this in verses 31 to 33. The angel reveals God's purpose to this young girl. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. His name will be Jesus, and he will be the Savior of the world. Can you imagine this teenage girl as her emotions are swinging back and forth and back and forth? God's plan was radically different than her plan. Think about it. There had to be a moment when she was just blown away, like stupefied with humility. Oh, my gosh, I've been chosen for this? The mother of the Son of God? But then, boom, the emotions swing, right? Oh, my gosh. What are gonna, people going to think about me, right? To be pregnant out of wedlock in that day, that was a sin punishable by death from stoning. Honor, I've been chosen for this. Fear, oh my word, I'm going to have to tell Joseph. Right, can you imagine how that conversation went down? Hey, Joey, honey, uh, you sitting down? Uh, I'm pregnant, but, 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 but it's by the Holy Spirit, so it's okay. I mean, how crazy would that be? God's purpose was way different than her plans. You know, the Bible says again and again, God's thoughts higher than our thoughts. God's ways higher than our ways. God's purposes higher than our plans. And I don't know how it'll play out in your life, but there's going to come a time when God interrupts you with an invitation to something else. And you're going to discover that God's purpose different than your plan. It may be that you've always dreamed of having a perfect, healthy family, and then you discover that you're pregnant, but the doctor tells you it's going to be a special needs child, and it just rocks your world. Why us, and how come not them, and, and what did we do? And you have no idea the blessing that that child is going to be for you, how he's going to draw you closer to God and fill you up with more love than you ever dreamed possible, because God's purpose is different than your plan. Or, or maybe you lose a job one day and you're like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. God, there's no way you're in this. Where are you, God? How am I gonna pay my bills? And suddenly, because you have no other options, you decide to do that startup that you've always kind of had in the back of your mind. And then years later, you look back and you're like, wow, what I thought was a curse was actually a blessing because God's purpose is different than your plan. People, God has plans to bless you, not to harm you. He came so that you could have life abundantly. And he will every now and then step in with a moment that you'll call an interruption, but God sees it as an invitation to something even better. So the angel says this to the young girl, and she responds back in verse 34. But how can this happen? I am a virgin. How can this happen? In other words, this is totally impossible. It's beyond impossible. It's absurd. You know, it's physically impossible for this to happen. It would be like, okay, I'm a, I'm a terrible golfer. I don't like golf, okay? Last time I golfed was like 23 years ago. The only reason I did it, our senior pastor loved golf. 
planned a staff golf day. Now, if an angel appeared to me and said, Brian, you're going to be such an awesome golfer, and you have no idea. You're going to win the U.S. Open. Yeah, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Wait, you, you don't understand here. In the words of the Princess Bride movie, that's inconceivable, right? It's not going to happen. Mary's like, this is inconceivable. Not going to happen. There's no way. Uh, reminder, you know, reality check. I'm a virgin, right? Virgins don't give birth to babies. It's totally, completely impossible. Can't happen. And there will be times, I promise you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, when God's going to interrupt your plans with something different, and his purpose is going to be different than yours, and he's just going to ask you to trust him, to have faith. But you're going to look at it and go, I don't see how that can happen. I mean, God, you're asking me to forgive that person after what they did to me? It's impossible. Can't forgive them. Well, God, I can't believe that you're asking me to trust you and be generous right now. I have so little. How are you going to provide for me? How's that going to happen? You know, it could be any number of things. You know, God, I don't believe that you could ever heal my marriage. I mean, after what's happened, we can never have a good marriage again. God, it's impossible that you could reconcile this relationship with my child. After what she said, after what I did, it's broken. It's lost forever. God, there's no, no way. It's, it's impossible that you could heal this person I love. I mean, even the doctors have said, just prepare for the end. It's totally, completely impossible. That's what Mary's doing here. It's impossible. There's no way. Verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, this isn't a job for people. This is a God-sized job here. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, I don't know who came to church this morning just for this moment, but I know there are some of you who are facing a giant obstacle, and you need to hear this. Nothing is impossible with God. What may be impossible with man is absolutely, completely possible with God. Because we serve a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful. One spoken word, he can intervene in any situation. And our God is that good, and he is that powerful, and all things are possible. And I think for every Christian, there's going to come a day in your life when God invites you to something different. Something where he's going to ask you to believe the unbelievable. Or do something you said, I, I can't do that. And the truth is, on your own, you probably couldn't. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I want to ask you right now, very simply, what is God asking you to do or believe? What might God be asking you to do or believe? And for some of you, the answer is obvious. You already know. You've just been resisting. For others of you, you may need a few moments, a few days of praying, God, what do you have for me? What's next? What's the direction for this season of my life? And maybe it's starting that ministry that he's put on your heart, or, or maybe it's trying to restore a broken relationship. Been broken for a long, long time. For some of you, maybe it's to go back to college or, or change your major by faith to something a little different. Or maybe it's reaching out to someone who is far, far away from God and you're going, I've already tried that. It's no use. It's not going to work. They're not going to respond. What is it that God is asking you to do or believe? And then when you figure that out and get ready to respond, remember this, write it down. Outcome 
is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. That's simple, but it's powerful. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. You know, how are we going to? What, what, what's going to happen here? Outcome, that's in God's corner. That's his responsibility. All you're called to do is to take that step of faith and obey. So tell yourself again and again, outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. Let's say God's calling you to start a small group. But I, I don't have the time for that. How, how's that going to be pulled out? No, 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 no. Just obey and trust God with the outcome. Well, God, I think, is calling me to be generous with my finances or the working in his church, but I don't see how I can pull that off and pay the bills. No, outcome is God's. Obedience is yours. But we already have three children, and we were done with that, and now there's this opportunity to foster a child. But if we take on another kid, we don't have the transportation for that. And how is he going to interact with our other children? No, obedience is your part. Outcome is God's part. You simply surrender yourself to him, just like a young teenage virgin girl did 2,000 years ago, when in God's goodness and sovereign plan, he interrupted her plans with an invitation to something else, and his purpose was way different than her plans. And in her mind, she couldn't conceive how it could happen, but she remembered all things are possible with her God. And so the angel presents this opportunity to Mary. Just like I believe God is going to represent and present to you some kind of great opportunity in your life. How does she respond? In verse 38, I love this. Before she says anything else, the very first thing she says is, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, before she thinks or says anything else, the immediate response is to remember who she is and whose she is. I belong to the King of Kings. I am his servant. He is my Lord. So even though I don't understand it all and I can't figure it all out and I know it's going to cost me and it's going to be harder than I can even imagine, I belong to him so I can trust him with the outcome. I will be obedient. And then she says one of the greatest faith-filled statements in all of Scripture. You ready for this? May everything you have said about me come true. In other words, I have no fear whatsoever about your plans, God because you're wise and you're good and you're just and you're loving. And if you interrupt me with something that's inconvenient for me, I wanna surrender myself to what you want because your ways, your thoughts, your purposes are greater than my plans. So I'm gonna remind myself of who I am. I am a servant of the Most High God. Therefore, may everything you have said about me come true because ultimately, outcome is yours, God. Obedience, that's mine. Let's pray. Lord, as I search throughout the scripture, I don't know that I can find a more amazing example of an individual with incredible, just outlandish faith. You asked Mary to do something that's beyond comparison. And we know she was afraid of the angel. She's also afraid of the calling. But God, in the final analysis, fear is just faith in the wrong things. So God, I pray 
that we would have faith in you, that we would recognize that you are good, that you are loving, that you have plans to bless us, to prosper us, not to hurt us. And whatever you call us to do, however you call us to live, whatever our lot in life, you can be trusted. So God, when we have interruptions in our lives, I pray that we would pause and say, is this an invitation to something different? And God, when we have our plans and your purpose doesn't line up with those, that we would submit our plans to you. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here that they would ask this question and be honest with themselves over this Christmas time. What is God asking me to do or believe? And even though it may seem absolutely ludicrous, impossible, we would remind ourselves again and again, outcome, that's yours. That's yours, God. Mine is simply obedience. And I know that if we do that, if we trust you, if we surrender ourselves to you, we will have no regrets. No regrets. So Lord, help us to trust you with whatever it is you may be asking us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.